Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Please be seated. Hey, if you'll leave that slide of the um, scripture reading up there, that'll point me in the direction I'm supposed to go. In, uh, your, <laughs> in your labs, I hope you hold a handout like this. We're going to do something a little bit differently than I normally do tonight, because this is a, uh, a book we don't read and we're kind of intimidated by. So I want us to read down through these points and make sure we know kind of what's going on in this book before we get started. The idea of this series of lessons as we're looking at these individual books is to follow the bloodline of Jesus the Christ from Genesis throughout the entirety of the Bible. And it will show itself in its, uh, in its fruitfulness in the Gospels. But as you and I look at each of these particular books, we can see Jesus in every one of them. The key words in the Song of Solomon are loved and beloved. And if you have to assign key verses, uh, which I did every book, uh, I guess your key verses can be different from mine, but yours can be wrong. That's all right. It's Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 16, Song of Solomon chapter 7 verse 10. Probably the key phrase in this, as you and I look at Jesus found here, is His banner over us is love. The key chapters, chapter 7 through chapter 8, this deals with uh, the love and the desire of two newlyweds as they grow stronger and stronger together. The book has a clear message. It's a, it's a book of beauty, it's a book of happiness, it's a book of power, but it's really a book of faithful love and devotion between a married couple. This book literally deals with the wooing and the wedding of a king to a shepherdess. And figuratively, it deals with us as Christians and how to be a faithful, loving bride to Jesus the Christ. This book is known by the Jewish nation as wisdom literature of God and falls into an ancient oriental poetic style. As you and I read through Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon, we don't find a lot of those verses that, that hit those same poetic styles as we're used to in the, in the Western world in the 2000s. It's a whole different type of poetry. And, and as it's written, if you could see it in its original, you can see that poetic style come forward. Solomon's song deals, frankly, with the physical love between a husband and his wife. Uh, this existence is a great proving ground for our marriages. It was sanctioned by God. The Song of Solomon was not the only song he wrote. He wrote about a thousand and five different psalms in, uh, noticed in 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 32, although we don't have all of them. This book seemed to have been written by Solomon from his youth. Proverbs seems to be written by a maturing man. And Ecclesiastes seems to be written by an older man. It's interesting how you read those together and you see him as an author, him as a man, not necessarily an author since it's inspired by God, but you see him uh, in a period of, of growing as a young man, growing as a middle-aged man, growing as an older man, and eventually in the book of Ecclesiastes pointing out what God really desires for us. Uh, 
Many in our world will state that this book is only an allegory of the nation of Israel. That's incorrect. This is real life as it's happening with Solomon and one of his wives. I think it may be his first. While the comparison can be made without the grand stretch, and in the, the, fact, the, the fact of the matter is this book is a true look at newlywed couple, and as you and I look at it, it's going to be in the good times and in the bad. While the church is not mentioned in this book, the way that the husbands and wives treat each other is a great example. This book is not referred by any other book of the 66 in the Bible. The Lord said it's not good that man should be alone. Did you know in that first week of creation, he would say it is good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's, it's very good? Except for this place, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, this is the place where he said it's not so good. The only time. And so from Genesis chapter 8 through, or Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, through the end of the chapter, he makes a remedy for the fact that it's not good that mankind or an individual person should be alone. Marriage. He was the one who gave Eve in marriage. He was the only uh, one who would be there to witness the marriage of Adam and Eve. He is the inventor, I hate to say inventor, originator of marriage. He is the lawgiver of marriage. And understanding those things, he probably knows what he's talking about, right? And so as you and I begin to focus in on the Song of Solomon, we have to start with what marriage is. How many um, dissolvements of marriage are there? And you might look at me and say, well, there's one. Oh, no, there's two. There's really only one. It's been that way from uh, Genesis chapter 2. It even goes that, is repeated the same exact fashion in Matthew chapter 19. The only dissolvement God began with in marriage is death. That's why when we ask these questions down here on Sunday afternoon and we say, what's the second most important decision you will ever make? And they say, second most important decision, marriage, marry a Christian. That's why when we say those things, I hope that we're not running through those questions just to get through those questions. Aside from becoming a child of God, marriage is the most important decision I'm going to make on this side of eternity because God said, it's not good that I should be alone. He goes further from that and said, what I'm going to do is make him, make, make me, her. And she's going to help him get through this life because he's going to mess it up. Don't laugh, because he already has. Yeah, well, I'm the only one in that boat, right? Oh, no. They met in a 
friend's kitchen. She was just coming out of her teenage years, going into her 20s. She was, by all accounts, an attractive young lady. He was a, an attractive young man. They sort of hit things off as they were talking across that kitchen table, and they decided that they were going to stay together forever. And she became his helpmeet. She helped him achieve all of the things he wanted in this life. And their names were Bonnie and Clyde. Maybe that's not the helpmeet we want. That's the helpmeet he wanted. He wanted fame and infamy. He, oh, he got it. You know who we're talking about when we say Bonnie and Clyde? Oh, yeah, we know who that is. God said it's not good, and, and let's make a helpmeet for them. So when we are focusing in on marriage, we want to focus in on who we marry, and so that's going to be a very important thing. Dear Clyde out here, you don't want to marry Bonnie. Or I don't think they were ever actually married. And dear, Clyde, dear Bonnie, find somebody else other than Clyde. Song of Solomon can be broken down this way. Chapter 1 and 2, there's a courtship. Chapter 3 through chapter 5, verse 1, there's a wedding. Chapter 5, verse 2 through chapter 8, there's a disagreement and a repair of a relationship. Imagine that. Can you imagine a, a, a married couple dating, having a wedding where they're, where they're married, and then having a problem? Can you imagine that? All right, for you who are kind of giggling and saying, no, that's because you ain't married yet. It just happens sometimes. What's not important in the Song of Solomon as much is, tend to, is what we tend to focus on. Chapter 4, about verse 7, 8, 9. Here's what's not important. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. You have teeth like sheep. Every one of them washed, and they have their own twin. You have hair like a goat. Is that, uh, ladies, does that do anything for you? Think about this for a moment. Listen to what he's saying to his wife. You have white, strong, healthy teeth, and they're none missing. That's a good thing. You have dark black hair. No gray in it at all, right? And that's good. You're real purdy, is what he's saying. Y'all like to hear that? Uh-huh. You know, that doesn't fix the problem. <laughs> as much as he wants it to, even as much as we want it to today, that doesn't really fix the problem. You know what the problem is? Ladies will understand this one. He's wrapped up in his work all the time. Well, he's a king. Give him a break. He's got a whole country to run. 
That's not, that's not really how it goes. What she says through there is, I wish he would spend time with me. And what he says is, you sure are pretty. And those two things don't go together, do they? They don't really fix each other. She does not or cannot or will not, and I'm not sure which, see the job as importantly as he does. And maybe she shouldn't. And he does not understand the importance of time together. That sounds like a 21st century problem, doesn't it? Michael, you have the opportunity from time to time to counsel those men and women who might be going through rough patches in their life. that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Let's open up Song of Solomon a little more, maybe where we can digest it a little bit better by going to the book of Ephesians. It's all right. It's all written by the same person. Ephesians chapter 5. I'll wait on you. Start in verse 21, and we're going to read through the rest of the chapter. Let's see if this opens up Song of Solomon for us, where the problem is. Now, before he begins to break this down into husband and wife category, here's what he says. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This is for both of you. Everybody is preferring each other to the glory of God. Then he begins by saying, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ, the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject unto their husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or, or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord for the church. For we're members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, cleave to their wife, and they too shall be one flesh. It's a great mystery. But I speak concerning the Christ and his church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. When we look at that in, into perspective with Genesis chapter 2 and in the entire book of Song of Solomon, hopefully we get some sort of idea of where you and I as uh, married couples in the Lord ought to be headed. This is not going to be a sermon that tells you you're never going to have problems. Because that sermon is going to be a lie. 
What Song of Solomon helps us deal with, what Ephesians chapter 5 helps us deal with, is how to get over that problem or go past that problem. You're not going to forget those things. Even if you forgive those things, you're still going to remember what happened. So we got to learn how to live past those things. As we'll, we'll take us a quick poll here. How many of you have never made a mistake? Just me? No. How many of you have had to live with the consequences of that mistake and live after that mistake? Yeah, we all do that, don't we? And sometimes what we do in our marriage is we keep festering that same mistake instead of getting past it. And that's, what happened, that's what's happening, really, in the middle portion of the Song of Solomon. He can't figure out why she's mad, and she can't figure out why he's not there. Well, they didn't have uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, even as to the Lord. Uh, the idea, especially in the original language, underneath the idea of own husband, that particular phrase is in its primary use of sexual nature. You submit to your own husband. That is, you and your own husband have a physical relationship. But it goes further than that. Uh, the idea here is you submit to that husband, your own husband, as you would submit to the Lord. And here's the reason why, because he's been chosen to be the head. And that's not an envious position. Why don't we change the worship service uh, to reflect what we want? Because God said so, is that right? Miss Charlie right? All right. Why don't we reflect how a person, or what a person has to do to be saved in order to reflect what we want. How many women and wives would you hear say, it'll just take time, I'll change him? You submit to the husband as you do to the Lord, because his duty is to bring the family back to the Lord, which is going to be a very difficult duty for him to do if he's fighting inside and out. The husband is to, to have the wife's uh, best interest at heart, not only her best interest, but the house's best interest. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Gentlemen, here's a question you must ask and answer to yourself. You willing to die? You willing to die to protect her, to save her, to get her where she's supposed to be, even if she doesn't want to go? Isn't that what Christ did? I love her to death. Her death, right? Now you better love her to your death. You better be able and, and have not only the ability to, but the desire to die for her. Now, what Jesus had? Now, now, gentlemen, wrap your mind around that. The desire to die for her. That's a hard one. 
I said this morning, I probably don't want to live to 100. I probably don't, but I may want to make it past 47. I'm not trying to die today. But what if that's what my wife required? Saving her life, giving mine, would you do it? When it was time, and Jesus knew it was time, he never even looked back. He willingly gave that sacrifice. Husband, are you ready to do that? That you might present to God as presented to Jesus Christ, this glorified, sanctified body is this glorified, sanctified household. Because, gentlemen, I don't know if you know this or not, not only, as we looked at this morning, are you going to be asked about your faithfulness, you're going to be asked about that family you led. And the task only gets deeper when you become an elder, as you're now asked about that flock that you led. Well, I get to be the king. God may even put me in charge. You might not want that job. You see what it entails? By the way, husbands... Billy in particular, be a leader they want to follow. Billy, notice what's said here. Uh, verse number 28, so men ought to love their wives as they love their own body. Now, nobody ever hates their flesh. How many of you ever know who had a big old giant cut on their arm and needed stitches? I mean, it was just awful. Needed stitches and said, I'm not getting any stitches. This thing will just heal up by itself. It'll go away. Yeah, and then you're dead. No, we get those stitches. We, ch we nourish and we take care of that, that part of our body that's wounded. We make it whole again. But we, don't put, we as husbands don't put that same effort into our marriage. Billy included. Why not? And that's what, isn't that what is required? If I'm going to love my wife like Christ loved the church, didn't he uh, put, put bandages on the wounds where they needed to and expose other things when it needed to be? Sure. No man hates himself, but he, but he nourishes his body. He cherishes it. Even, verse 29, as the Lord cherished the church. Jesus the Christ had a singular focus on this earth. Broken into two ideas, but one singular focus. Uh, the, the overlying idea is to do the will of God no matter what. But the underlying idea in doing the will of God is establishing that church. Giving everything he has for that church, uh, providing everything he can for that church, giving her every opportunity to succeed. Now, husbands, you thought this was all going to be about wife submission, didn't you? Look back at yourself. Do you give her and those in your house the ability to succeed? I, don't, I, I could care less, I could not care less, should be the proper term of that. I could not care less of whether any of us four succeed in life. 
if we miss out on heaven's eternity, we have failed. If that failure happens, it falls squarely on the shoulders of me. Do they know how important God and His Word really is? They know that it, that's the, the, the entirety of life. That's it right there. You're holding it in your lap. Do I give them a chance to succeed? Solomon and his wife were having problems there because they weren't following this particular pattern. Notice how it goes on in verse number 30. We're all members of his body and flesh. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. They're going to be married. They're going to be in the same boat that uh, Solomon and his wife are, and they're going to be joined as one flesh, and they're going to have problems. Do you know why? Because on neither side of that altar, when that bride or that groom say, I do, do their brains just fall out of their heads and they become robots to follow after what the other one wants to do. Everybody has an opinion, don't we? Opinions are good, bad, and different. And he said, you're going to be one flesh. You're going, to have to move, you're going to have to move that family in the way that it goes. Now, here's your conclusion. As women submit and men live their lives like Christ would to the church, your conclusion is found in verse number 33. Do you want to know how Solomon and his wife did it and how you're supposed to do it too? It's found right here. Verse 33. Key to the marriage of Solomon and the key to a good marriage today. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular, this is for you gentlemen, underscore this. So love his wife. That's for you gentlemen. Your divine directive from God is you love her. Just like you love yourself. anybody here ever punish themselves or is that just me when things go wrong in my life and they're not the way I have planned it I have to punish myself so that so that I get back on track yeah nobody else does that sometimes I'll, I will want to eat an ice cream but I won't those kinds of things you gotta you gotta get your mind right where it's supposed to be I probably don't do that nearly as often as I should I'm probably a little lenient on myself. And I probably give myself too many passes that I keep back from everyone, including her. And I don't give her the leniency that I give myself, showing then that I love myself more than I love her. Not only does it deal with loving her fairly, it deals with dating her. How many of you gentlemen ever went out on a date with your wife before she was your wife? Uh, just three of us, all right. The rest of y'all, I'll see y'all up here in just a minute. Boys, let me tell you something. And I'm the world's worst at this, but, but 
just because I'm the worst at it doesn't mean it ain't true still. You ready? You writing this down? She still wants to go out on a date. Take her out. Get her an ice cream. Go walk downtown. Go walk on a trail. Do something. She still wants to go out on a date. Love her. Take her out. First, uh, Song of Solomon chapter 1 and 2. Woo her and charm her and uh, bring her all of these things and show her how much in love you are with her. You want to speak to her? Speak to her on her level. I love you. Here's some flowers. Or here's some candy. Or here's the night you and I go out and get something and we leave them little stinking girls home. They love that. Write that down, gentlemen. Underscore that. So love his wife. Ladies. You don't get off that easy. You're also found here in verse number 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And see that the wife... Here you go. You ready? Reverence her husband. That's your underscore. I'm not the greatest preacher. But I want her to think I am. He may not be the world's greatest meal right, but he wants you to think he is. Plumber, electrician, car salesman, whatever he does. Generally, when men and women are having difficulties, in their marriage. Women will say, I don't feel loved. That's probably the case. We have forgotten to treat them as wonderful gifts from God and little shiny trinkets that we love to give them. We've forgotten to do those things. And men will say things like, I don't feel like she loves me anymore, which means I don't feel like she respects me. Sometimes, Miss Brandy will, will say, I need uh, some little handyman job done around the house. And I need you to know, I might be a man, but I am not handy. And then I'll call either Matt or Mark and figure out how to do it. And I'll Google it on YouTube and follow those instructions and somehow it gets done. And she'll say, isn't that the great? Look at you, look how good you are. And I know I ain't that good. Boy, it sure does make you feel good though, doesn't it? Make you walk real tall. That's how we equate love. She equates love with spending time. It's where Solomon and his wife are having problems. So, toward the end of the book, here's what Solomon does. 
All right, baby girl. Let's go off over here to this palace, and you and I spend two or three days together alone. He takes her on a weekend vacation, a little weekend trip. You know what that does? That strengthens that bond. That tightens that marriage. And consequently, that tightens that nation. Why is our nation falling apart? Because our marriages are. We, we don't understand how Genesis 2, the book of the Song of Solomon in Ephesians chapter 5, work in harmony with each other to teach us how to live in fellowship with one another and with God. And until we learn those things, we're going to have problems. We're going to have more problems than we have to have. And when we do learn those things, those problems are still not going to go out the door. You're going to have problems. They're easier to get through, aren't they? They're easier to get through when I look at my wife and see her as not only my wife and the lady that I love and have loved since I was sixth grade. But I look at her also and notice that she is a daughter of my father's and I should treat her with the proper amount of respect. And that's when, it that's when it turns. That's when it changes. When I can see her and her eternal destiny as it fits securely into my hands, that's when I began to make better decisions and make more profitable decisions. But I'm going to tell you this, I can't make any decision for her and help her with any of those decisions until I've made the right ones for myself. Until I have decided to become a child of God, and until I have decided to become a faithful child of God, until I have decided that I'm not going to force her to lead the family, but that I'm going to do it, I can't expect anything out of her. She can't expect anything out of me until she finds herself in the family of God, living that faithful life. Expecting me to lead and following in submission. It's the plan God's laid out. So let me ask you this. As we start looking at Song of Solomon, because we ain't finished, we're just now starting. Here's the easy question. Have you submitted to the will of God? Because that's where that good marriage starts. Have you submitted to the will of God and are you faithful to that? If you haven't, God says, hear what I have to say, uh, Romans 10, 17, and believe it. John 8, verse number 24. God says, repent of your sin, confess that Jesus is the Christ. Luke 13, 3 and Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And then be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 37 and 38. And then the hardest directive of all. From that point, I want you to live faithfully to me for the rest of your life. Whew. That five-step process seems to be real easy compared to step number six, doesn't it? 
Because that means I have to guard myself. I have to, to have my mind right. I have to be thinking about what is more important uh, eternally than what is more important temporal. It's a hard thing to do. But it is a requirement. He gives us that in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. If you find yourself not being his child or not being a faithful child of his, and you want your marriage to be better, you want your life to be better, you want your sleep to be better, you want your uh, time on this earth to be better, then be his child. Through submission, come to him. Let him wash those sins away. Let him wash that guilt away. And you stand up and be his child and be faithful to him. And do those things right now while we stand and sing for your encouragement. Hear this